Welcome to Sister Stories, curious investigation of the lives of amazing women of the world. I'm your host, Betsy Weersma. Today's sister story is Betsy Weersma. It really came on when we adopted our daughter, Sarah. So I had a 24-hour notice, telephone call, you're having a baby, do you wanna know what you're having? I was in the frozen foods at King Supers and got the phone call and the cool kismet moment was the, I was at a King Supers that wasn't in my neighborhood, that was on a way from a job site and I looked up and my friend who had mentored me in the adoption process, Cheryl, was in the King Supers in the line where I was when I got the call. So literally I got on the phone, I heard them say, you're having a baby. I looked up and there was Cheryl, the one person from all of Denver that had mentored me in this process. And so she grabs the phone and calls my husband and says, you're having a baby, congratulations. And he's like, who are you and what is this? Uh, but in that moment where we adopted Sarah Lane, I really did a life check, man. I was like, I gotta get off the road, international gigs and travel and speaking in 20 countries and all that. Great, I've got a newborn and I'm in Denver, Colorado and everything's gotta change. And so I really was prayerful and quiet about um, how can I be what I call a work at home mom? right? Full career, um, full-fledged, dedicated business approach, strategic approach to career in the, the real context of being the kind of mom I wanted to be. So I didn't want to make it church and state. I really wanted to make it together a life of dedication to parenting with Doug and our daughter, but also dedication to having something in the world to do. So as I started to meld that together, I, I was really prayerful. And to be honest, I was just like, how and what can I do in Colorado in the context of being this kind of mom? And I heard that wee small voice that just said, camp, experience, camp, experience, camp. It's a place for women to experience the deeper bonds of friendship and relationship that I so had valued in my own life and loved building. And so from that focus on women, because I knew women, I loved things women loved, like shopping and crafts and spa services and food and wine. So, you know, start there. Uh, all the things that had come up in our focus group uh, were things that I could easily know. And th from being an event producer and a speaker, I knew content development and I knew energy flow. So I was super excited to design these days that were just magic, that people didn't know why they laughed here and they cried here and they shopped here and they ate here. And by the end, they were filled up with love. And it was non-denominational, non-judgmental, non-one way. It was just permeating every cell of their body and they could feel it and, and really feel that sisterhood. Because what I was noticing with all the women, different walks of life, different ages, everybody was chronically busy. It was just like this crazy busy and we never had a conversation. Um, if you wanted to have a cup of coffee, your people had to call my people. And by the time you sat down, you said, what was I going to talk to you about? Like it was an agenda. It wasn't ever just like 
being together. So in 2006, we put together these 15 volunteers and just said, what if women were united by education, inspirational storytelling, you know, hearing from each other's journeys and the connections we needed to move ahead because we had the new friend, uh, the new client, the new boss, the new opportunity. What if we dedicated our lives and ourselves to creating that. And so that was the beginning of the Camp Experience Network, which uh, now here in 2018 is 13 years old of touching women in these ways, physically touching them. But as I grew in the network, this storytelling thing was just really gnawing at me that it needed to be bigger. And that the visualization I had is a woman sitting alone and wondering, Where's, where am I ever going to find a friend? Or how am I ever going to know how to do things? Or what's next? And so I thought, what if I take this knack for having fun and finding story? What if I just kept curating these amazing women and took a little bit of their time through both Sister Stories and the Global Sisterhood Network to just tell the truth? And so the big idea was, um, we've done this in Colorado, what if we do this for the world? And what if through technology now, we can just do it mm -hmm. and the rest will follow? I think one of my other duties is to start talking out loud about what I, I really heard from Dr. James Rouse, um, chronic not-enoughness. And if you really start to think about it, and I look at my own life, you know, growing up, I was the chubby kid, right? So I was not skinny enough, um, but I was smart. So I was smart enough, so then I became the kid that couldn't be beautiful because I was gonna be smart. So smart was my thing, so I really separated my sister was beautiful and not smart, and I was smart and not beautiful, which is insane and crazy, and took us a long time to wake up and be old and think about that, but you know, I, I took that role. So I was not, um, my body shape didn't look like the Barbie doll that I was playing with, right? So um, my, physicalness was not enoughness. And then I think school sets you up for not enoughness because there's grades and you're supposed to get an A. And uh, at my senior year of college, March 21st, 1983, um, seven of us went snowmobiling on a cold, snowy night outside Purdue University and only six of us came home because we had a tragic snowmobile accident and my friend, Paul was killed um, riding on the snowmobile with me. And uh, I woke up after 21 days in intensive care and looked at the Stray Cats poster on the ceiling, which tells you it was 1983, that somebody had put on the ceiling to decorate my room for when I woke up out of this incredible coma. And I said, you know, like, what happened? And where's Paul? And that's how I learned of the death of my friend and learned about all the other gyrations of this accident where these seven friends had just gone out for fun and it just turned out so tragic. And so through healing, I lost my face. My face was scraped off and kind of on my left side. So this was all abrasions. I had gone down a dirt road and like lost my face into the dirt road and landed on my shoulder and on my hip. And so my senior year of college, when all the kids were partying and playing and celebrating, I was limping, bandage-faced, 
migraine headache filled on all kinds of medication to classes to try to um, graduate because our family didn't really have the resources to extend my college and I really needed to graduate on time. So um, again though, the grades were still the grades. And I had an incredible average at college, like I think I got three B's in college. And one of the B's was because I couldn't make it to the physical film class to get the A in the class because I was in the hospital in intensive care. So again, back to society, no matter what the circumstance, it's not enough to score on your grades. Even if you're mostly dead and you're in the hospital, too bad, so sad, you know, you have to score on a system called grades. So I think, you know, not enoughness in physical shape, not enoughness in the scoring system of college, and then you get into the world. And as an entrepreneur, I'm only limited by me. And I'm really bad about being limited because I'm just dreaming it. And then I have that crazy ability to plan it. Then I have the crazy ability to produce it. And, and I don't say no. And so there's no stopping point. It's like camp could always be better. And now um, 5,000 women and a million dollars in Denver. Well, is that enough? So what about helping the world of women? Is that enough? And so I think it's, it's always a, a journey of all of us looking for what is that voice? And when is it going to say it's enough? And I think that um, in me, uh, an insightful incident was uh, getting shingles to try to say, uh, do I have your attention, Betsy? Um, faster, faster, harder, more, boom, boom. And I had the opportunity called, you're going to stop, and you're going to stop right now. So I think all it did for me is number one, really put my physical, my physicality in play, that my brain and my heart and my soul and my service of God and the world just doesn't want to end, but my physical body can only do so much. And then um, enoughness is like the journey. So yeah, it's enough. For some people, it would be enough just to stop and never take a risk and do whatever they do. For me, I just keep believing there's a purpose for the next. And so now I have to balance self-care and self-love um, and some of those things with um, my yearning on what else could be cool and big. I think what I'm discovering, the thread that has gone through my path, is the story. Um, if I look back at every Every piece to my puzzle from the high school organizing the float, it was about translating the story of our junior year into a three-dimensional moving object and of course all the parties that we had to have to do the float. You know, so it was always organizing the fun that ended up having some kind of meaning, some kind of charitable thing, some kind of sell Girl Scout cookies or celebrate the high school. You know, I was like the kid that was um, getting people to like me because I was so much fun. And I think that was covering up that I was thinking, well, they might not like me for something else, so I'm gonna be the fun one. I'm gonna be the fun organizer. And, uh, and I think it started as a kid that that's where I was comfortable showing up. Thank you for listening to Sister Stories, part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. We are women who amplify our voices and are committed to inspiring people with podcasts on purpose. 
Learn more, Global Sisterhood Podcast Network.com.